0: story seven of christmas stories from french and spanish writers by antoinette ogden this librivox recording is in the public domain story seven the three low masses from the french of alphonse daudet one two truffled turkeys did you say jerejou yes my reverend two great glorious turkeys stuffed with truffles i ought to know something about it considering i helped stuff them myself i thought their skins would crack when they were roasting they were stretched so tight merciful saints and i'm so fond of truffles too hurry there Garajou, hand me my surplice and what else did you see in the kitchen besides the turkeys oh all sorts of things ever since twelve o'clock we have been plucking pheasants hoopoe's hazel hens, and heathcocks. From the pond they brought in eels, goldfish, trouts, and about how big were the trouts, Karaju? Oh, about so big, my reverend, as simply enormous. Holy fathers I can see them. Did you put the wine in the vases? Yes, my reverend, I filled them but mercy that isn't anything like the wine you'll have later after midnight mass you ought to see the dining-hall at the castle all the decanters glittering with the many-coloured wines and the silver the plate the chased centrepieces the flowers the candelabrum i don't suppose there has ever been such a christmas supper the lord marquis has invited all the lords of the neighbouring estates there will be over forty at the table leaving out the bailiff and the notary oh my reverend you are very lucky to be invited the smell of the truffles haunts me now simply from having sniffed at those turkeys come come my child let us beware of the sin of greediness particularly in the night of the nativity hurry off now and light the tapers and ring the first call for mass it will soon be midnight and we can't afford to lose time this conversation occurred one christmas night in the year of our lord sixteen hundred and something between the reverend dom Balaguer, formerly prior of the barnabites and present chaplain of the sires of trinquelec and his little clerk or rather what he believed to be his little clerk For let me tell you that the devil on that particular night had assumed the round face and uncertain features of the young sacristan the better to lead the reverend father into temptation and make him commit a great sin of greediness so while the would-be hm rang out the chimes with all his might from the seignioral chapel the reverend father was slipping on his chasuble in the little vestry and as his imagination was somewhat excited by Garajou's gastronomic accounts he repeated mechanically as he got into his vestments two roast turkeys goldfish trouts, about so big without the night wind blew and scattered the music of the bells gradually lights began to pierce the gloom along the roads of mount bantu on whose summit the old towers of trinquillac reared their mighty heads the neighbouring farmers and their families were on their way to the castle to hear midnight mass they climbed the mountain singing gaily in little groups of five or six the father ahead carrying the lantern the women following wrapped in great dark cloaks under which the children snuggled to keep warm in spite of the cold and the advanced hour of the night all these good people walked along merrily cheered by the thought that a great supper was awaiting them as usual below in the castle kitchens after mass every now and then on the rough declivity some fine lord's coach preceded by torch-bearers showed its glimmering window-panes in the moonlight or then a mule trotted along shaking its bells or again by the light of their lanterns wrapped in mist the farmers recognized their bailiff and hailed him as they passed good-night good-night master Anaton. good-night good-night my children it was a clear night the stars seemed brightened by the cold the wind was nipping and a fine sleet powdered all those cloaks without wetting them just in order to preserve the tradition that requires christmas to be white with snow on the very crest of the mountain the castle appeared like a goal with its huge mass of towers and gables the chapel steeple rising straight into the blue-black sky while a thousand little lights moved rapidly hither and thither blinking at all the windows and looking against the intense black of the building like the tiny sparks that glimmer in a pile of burnt paper after passing the drawbridge and the postern in order to reach the chapel one had to cross the first court crowded with coaches footmen sedan chairs and bright with the flame of torches and the glare from the kitchens one could hear the clicking of the spits the rattling of pots the tinkling of crystal and silver as they were laid out for the banquet and above it all floated a warm vapour smelling of roasted meats and the pungent herbs of complicated sauces which made the farmers as well as the chaplain the bailiff and everybody else say what a good supper we shall have after mass two ding ling, ling ding ling, ling midnight mass has begun in the chapel of the castle which is a miniature cathedral with intercrossed arches and oaken wainscoting up to the ceiling. All the tapestries are hung, all the tapers lighted. What a crowd of people, and what sumptuous costumes! Here, in one of the carven stalls that surround the choir, sits the sire of Trincolec, clad in salmon coloured silk, and around him all the noble lords, his guests opposite them on velvet fall-stools kneel the old dowager Marchioness in a gown of flame-coloured brocade and the young lady of trinkelec wearing on her pretty head a great tower of lace puffed and quilled according to the latest fashion at the court of france farther down the aisle all dressed in black with vast pointed wigs and cleanly shaven chins sat thomas Arniton, the bailiff and the notary master ambroy two sombre spots amid the high colours of silks and brocaded damasks then come the fat majordomos the pages outriders the stewards dame barbe with her great bunch of keys dangling from her side on a ring of fine silver on the benches in the rear is the lower service butlers maids the farmers and their families and last of all far back against the doors which they discreetly open and close come the cooks between two sauces to catch a little whiff of the mass bringing with them into the bedecked church warm with the light of so many tapers odiferous suggestions of the christmas supper can it be the sight of these crisp white caps that diverts the reverend father's attention or is it not rather Garageau's bell that fiendish little bell that tinkles away at the foot of the altar with such infernal haste and seems to be saying come come let us hurry the sooner we dispatch the service the sooner we go to supper the fact of the matter is that at every peal from this little devil of a bell the chaplain forgets his mass and allows his mind to wander to the christmas supper he evokes visions of busy kitchens with ovens glowing like furnaces warm vapours rising from under tin lids and through these vapours two superb turkeys stuffed crammed mottled with truffles or then again he sees long files of little pages carrying great dishes wrapped in their tempting fumes and with them he is about to enter the dining-hall what ecstasy here stands the immense table laden and dazzling with peacocks dressed in their feathers pheasants spreading their bronzed wings ruby-coloured decanters pyramids of luscious fruit amid the foliage and those wonderful fish that garaju spoke of garaju forsooth reclining on a bed of fennel their pearly scales looking as if they were just from the pond and a bunch of pungent herbs in their monster-like nostrils this beatific vision is so vivid that dom balaguer actually fancies that the glorious dishes are being served before him on the very embroideries of the altar-cloth and instead of saying dominus vobiscum he catches himself saying the benedicite with the exception of these slight mistakes the worthy man rattled off the service conscientiously without skipping a line or omitting a genuflection and all went well to the end of the first mass for you must know that on christmas the same officiating priest is obliged to say three masses consecutively so much for one thought the chaplain with a sigh of relief and without losing a second he motioned his clerk or him whom he believed to be his clerk and ding-ling-ling ding-ling-ling the second mass has begun and with it dom come let us hurry says garaju's bell in a shrill devilish little voice at the mere sound of which the unfortunate priest pounces upon the missal and devours its pages with all the avidity of his over-excited brain he kneels and rises frantically barely sketches the sign of the cross and the genuflections and shortens all of his gestures in order to get through sooner he scarcely extends his arms at the gospel or strikes his breast at the confiteor between him and his little clerk it is hard to tell who mumbles the faster the words half uttered between their teeth for it would take them too long to open their lips every time die out into unintelligible murmurs or ramus like hurried vintagers crushing the grapes in the mash tuns they both splashed about in the latin of the service splattering it in every direction tom scum says balaguer stoutou responds garajou while the infernal little bell jingles in their ears like the sleigh-bells that are put on stage-horses to hasten their speed you may well imagine that at such a rate a low mass is soon rattled off so much for the second, says the panting chaplain with scarlet face in a full perspiration, and without taking time to breathe, he goes tumbling down the altar steps and dingling ling dingling ling ling, the third mass is under way. only a few minutes stand between them and the supper, but alas, as the time approaches, Dom balaguer's fever of impatience and greediness increases his vision grows more and more vivid the fish the roasted turkeys are there before him he touches them he great heavens he breathes the perfume of the wines and the savoury fumes of the dishes and the frantic little bells call out to him hurry hurry faster faster but how on earth can he go faster his lips barely move he has given up enunciating altogether unless forsooth he chooses to cheat the lord and swindle him out of his mass. and that is just what he is doing the wretched man yielding first to one temptation then another he skips one verse then two then the epistle being very long he omits part of it skims over the gospel passes the creed unnoticed skips the pater hails the preface from afar and thus without a skip and a jump plunges into eternal damnation followed by that infamous Satanas, who seconds him with marvellous sympathy upholds his chasuble turns the pages to at a time jostles the lectern and upsets the vases while the little bell rings constantly ever faster and louder it would be impossible to describe the bewildered expression of the congregation compelled to follow mimicking the priest through this mass of which they can make neither head nor tail some stand while others kneel some sit while others stand and all the phases of this singular service are jumbled together along the benches in the greatest confusion of varied postures the Christmas star on the celestial road journeying toward the little manger yonder grows pale at the very thought. The abbe reads too fast, it is impossible to follow him, whispers the old dowager marchioness, whose voluminous headdress shakes wildly. Master Arnoton, with his great steel spectacles on his nose, loses his place every minute and fingers his prayer book nervously. Still, at heart, all these good people, whose minds are equally bent upon the Christmas supper, are not at all disturbed at the idea of following Mass at such breakneck speed, and when Dom Balaguer, facing them radiantly, exclaims in a thundering voice, Ite misa est, the response, Deo gratias, is so unanimous, joyous, and spirited, that anyone might take it for the first toast of the supper. Three five minutes later the assembled lords the chaplain among them had taken their seats in the great hall the castle brilliantly illumined echoed with songs and laughter and the venerable Dom Bellegarde drove his fork resolutely into a capon's wing drowning the remorse for his sin in the savoury juice of meats and the soothing draughts of old wine he ate and drank so heartily the dear old man that he died of a spasm that very night without even having had time to repent by morning he reached heaven where the thrills of the past night's ecstasies lingered still in the air and i leave you to imagine how he was received get thee gone thou wretched christian said st peter thy sin is great enough to wipe out the virtues of a lifetime ah so thou wouldst swindle us out of a mass very well then three hundred masses shalt thou say nor shalt thou enter into paradise until three hundred christmas masses have been celebrated in thine own chapel and in the presence of all those who sinned with thee and through thee and in this is the true legend of dom baleguet as it is told in the land of the olive trees the castle of trinkelec has long since ceased to exist but the chapel stands erect on the crest of mount bantu in a clump of evergreen oaks the wind sways its unhinged door the grass grows over the threshold there are nests in the angles of the altar and on the sills of the high ogive windows whose jewelled panes have long since disappeared still it seems that every year at christmas supernatural mysterious lights hover among the ruins and on their way to midnight mass and the christmas supper the peasants see this spectre of a chapel lighted by invisible tapers which burn in the open air even in the wind and under the snow You may laugh, if you will, but a wine-dresser of the district named Garajou, a descendant of the Garajou, no doubt, has often told me that on one particular Christmas night, being somewhat in liquor, he had lost his way on the mountain, somewhere near Trinquillic, and this is what he saw. Until eleven o'clock, nothing. Everything was silent and dark suddenly at midnight the chimes rang out from the old steeple strange uncanny chimes that seemed to be ringing a thousand miles away soon lights began to tremble along the road and vague shadows moved about under the portal of the chapel there were sounds of footsteps and muffled voices good-night master anerton good-night good-night my children when they had all gone in, my wine dresser, who was a courageous fellow, crawled up to the door and there beheld a most marvellous spectacle. All these good shadows sat around the choir in the ruined nave, just as though the benches were still there. There were fine ladies in brocades and lace headdresses, lords gaily bedizened, peasants in flowered coats like those our grandfathers wore, all of them dusty, faded, weary every now and then some night bird an habitual lodger in the chapel awakened by all these lights began to flutter about the tapers whose flames rose erect and vague as though they were burning behind a strip of gauze Caraju was particularly amused at a gentleman with great steel spectacles who constantly shook his huge black wig upon which perched one of these birds with entangled claws and beating wings a little old man with a childlike figure knelt in the centre of the choir and frantically shook a tiny bell, which had lost its voice, while a priest clad in old gold vestments moved hither and thither before the altar, repeating orisons of which not a syllable could be heard. Who could this have been but Dom Balaguer saying his third low mass? End of story seven.